Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. What? What is so funny? That was your most tired introduction ever. Well, I am so tired. I'm sorry. You know what it is? It's a combination of a few things. First off, it's late. It is. I just worked a full day, what so I'm it? tired. Ten, it's almost 11. 10.45? Yeah, it's kind of late. In my head, I'm thinking about work tomorrow, but... Also, I'm doing this Whole30 thing with Sarah, and I think I'm at the stage where they warn you that you might get more tired because your body is apparently getting healthier. Oh, of course. I don't know how true that is. I enjoy doing it so far, but uh, that's been kicking my butt. Have you lost weight? I don't know. They say don't weigh yourself. Oh, because you're supposedly going through fluctuations of things and your body may go up and down have you ever tried the whole 30 i I have no idea what it is so the whole 30 is um essentially it's not meant for like a long-term diet it's meant to kind of kickstart you into gear um and you don't you can't eat any dairy you can't eat anything with added sugar you can't eat any beans and no grains so what that leaves you with is a plate of wood or cardboard. Right. Those are your two options. <laughs> so I've been doing cardboard lately. Right. I might switch over to wood in a few days. That's not, you so. know, get a little variety. Exactly. Um, no, it definitely is a pain in the beginning, but we can do a lot of things. You can do chicken, of course, a lot of types, a lot of meat you can do. You can do any, of course, any kind of vegetables. You can do fruit uh, because there's no added sugar. Right. Um, and we have found some healthier alternatives to things that are better than I thought. Like, for instance, we found a chipotle avocado mayo from Whole Foods that fits within our scope and is actually better than mayo. The only problem is that it's like four times the price. Oh, it's yeah. like six bucks. For sure. But it's good. Like really good. Sarah and I tried it and we were like, whoa, this is delicious mayo, which is kind of weird to say, but it was better better than real mayo for sure. So we're, we're I think we're 10 days into it and I definitely feel better for sure. Um, but it is a lot because you just, you're not eating what you're used to eating and you start craving things that you want to, you're used to eating at night, at night. You know, you want that. There's a Chinese cookie. store down the oh, street. Oh, man, sounds so good. <laughs> but they say that at the end of the 30, a lot of those cravings go away because you're eating such a healthier diet and you kind of lose the desire for grease or for sugar, which I don't know if I'll ever lose the need for sugar in my life. I, I have such a sweet tooth. but Or burgers. That's the one thing. Now, I can still do most of a burger. I can do the mayo. I can even do I can do bacon, but here's the thing with bacon. Most bacon is cured in sugar. Like it's right. sugars in the ingredient list, so you got to find non-added sugar bacon. But you can do bacon. I just can't do the bun, so I can do like a lettuce wrap or just use my bare hands. Like you a can man. go to In and Out and get animal style wrapped in lettuce. Yeah, exactly. I'll just drive over to freaking California at eleven o'clock at night. There might be Rob. one in Texas, I think. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So we're doing that. So, but that's been good. I mean, I Sarah and I have tried many times to like get healthier with like our eating. And we're not even like over, overweight people, or at least morbidly overweight. But we just decided, you know, let's just do this and commit to it, and we have. So it's been good. But where, ever, where did you learn about it? Online, Sarah. So Sarah sent it to me like September twenty fifth. I'm like, okay, let's do it October first. So we did. Oh, so we did. Have you ever done like a diet of some sort before? Julia did Weight Watchers. Okay, and does that work? For her, it did. She likes. The schedule of it and tracking it and Ugh, and boring. it gives her some structure. Boring. 
Works for her. And then I just ate less because I was eating whatever she was. Did you lose uh, weight? Yeah. How much? I don't remember. Oh. It was... When she did it, it was right after giving birth to Mackenzie. Oh. She lost like 70 pounds. Holy smokes. Yeah. She looks great now. She does. Yeah, which is great. So, anyway. Well, yeah. So, that's my current life. So, I am tired. You're right, Rob. You're right. But I think as we get talking... Once I get the oh, engine perk up. yeah, just say a few of the right words, <laughs> yeah. and I'm there. I'm there all the way. I will certainly be sure to throw some phrases your way. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Um, other than, other than that, though, not you know, not a whole lot's new, I guess, in my life. Um, I'm just not eating anything that I want to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just miserable. Right. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm not miserable. But what's new with you? Anything? Uh, very busy life with two kids, as you can imagine. I can't. I have no kids, Rob. Oh, right. You can't even None. imagine. None. <laughs> Remember those days where you were like, "Hey, man, that was nice sleeping in." Yeah, I've never had those. <laughs> Didn't your youngest have their one year? Yes, she did. Yes, I was there for it. It was great. Really good party, yeah. and it rained right at the end, so it forced everyone out. No, I'm kidding. It was great for all you to be here. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, it's good to see you again. We... But I have a story about Elijah. Oh, you do? My bad. <laughs> yeah. My bad. I'm ready. So Elijah's too. Wait, hold on. Should we preface this that this might have inappropriate language in it? Because you're going to say, you know, a has... word here that is part of the human body, but in part Christian of the male circles, human body in Christian circles can be very inappropriate to say. So Julia works in the medical field. Okay. So she likes to use the correct medical terminology. Of course. Elijah discovered a certain part of his body. Penis. His penis. There you go. Thank you we, for we, breaking we the ice. It. I had to say it. <laughs> so he discovered it. And <laughs> he discovered it. Like all of a sudden he's like, whoa, what's that? Right. Appropri- wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so uh, he was quite fascinated by it. Didn't know what it was. Of course. Well, Julia was like. Elijah, that is your penis. Do not touch. So <laughs> oh boy. I was unaware of this happening. So I come okay. home from work and I'm changing his diaper and he looks right looks at me straight in the eye and goes, Daddy, penis. No <laughs> no touch. Oh my god. <laughs> I just about lost it. <laughs> I'm like, Julia, what happened? Wow. That was hilarious. Wow. Well, you got a boy in the house. <laughs> yeah. A coming of age story. Yes. When he was two years old, he discovered his penis. Uh, that's a fun word to say. Yeah, it was, uh, and seeing it out of a two year old that can barely say a lot of words. That's hilarious. Just clear as day. Daddy, penis. No touch. That's <laughs> I mean, great. I high fived and was like, that's right, buddy. Of course. <laughs> Have you ever seen that like meme? It's like an elephant with its trunk and it's like waving it like crazy. And it's like, it's like if I. It's like, uh, you know, if I was a guy, what I would do with my penis the first time, it's just like, wow, you're like crazy. You know, like, hey, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Totally get it. Well, I'm glad that, that you had that story to share with all our listeners. So. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't offensive to anyone. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in, everyone. It has been a while. We do our best, but it is what it is at this point. I'm too tired to even care. So <laughs> I ain't too famished, we have, frankly. We have no so, apologies. I have none. I have zero apologies to give you. Because you know what? It is what it is. And like we always say on our show, if you want to fund us doing this full time, we take check, we take PayPal, we take cash app, whatever works for you, (laughs) we will take your money. So no problem about that. Am I wrong? 
No, you are not wrong. All right, good. Listen, a lot to get to today because every time we miss a couple weeks, there's that many more things to get to. Am I wrong? No, nothing unusual happens with our presidency or governments. <laughs> nothing unusual ever happens. No, it's a very status quo, you know. Very professional. Cycle. Yes, and Christians are normal as usual. All right, um, obviously. They're very even keeled and <laughs> rational about so many of these different topics that we're going we're gonna to discuss today. And our society as a whole is not polarized whatsoever. Not, not at all. Not one bit. I feel like we just wrote a Babylon Bee article. I would also say that I think Christians are actually helping to uh, squash the noise <laughs> and be peacemakers. Absolutely. Uh, good. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, which somehow got translated into those who carry missiles. I don't know how that happened, but you know, not, not peacekeepers, peacemakers, <laughs> which happens by war, apparently. Yes. That's how you make the peace, by yeah. killing people. But Yeah. If I you kill guess. the whole other side, then you have right, peace with right, yourselves. Right. If there's no one else to fight, you're all dead. <laughs> Peace. Lots of peace. I love I love Western Christian logic. Peace among the pieces. There. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, we are too tired and unfiltered for an episode tonight, Rob. I just we, don't care anymore. We, we might have to put hashtag unfiltered coffee. I also, and Jesus. you know what? I try to back off my Facebook a lot more with this stuff. I just save it for these talks. I just do. I'm like, I don't Good. care anymore. I'm over it. Um, Yeah. Where do you want to start, Rob? So we wanted to start a new, a new series. A new series. You know how many series we've started and never finished? The well, only one. The only one we've really finished was the was the marriage and porn uh, series. Was that a series? Yeah, there was like three episodes. Oh. The other ones we have like part one. There's just never a part two. We're keeping our <laughs> listeners on the edge of their seat. <laughs> like, who knows when we're going to come back to this? Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. So th- is this part one? This is part one. Of an unknown installment number. Correct. Okay. All right. So the uh, the topic or the series is going to be Christianity in the Western culture or Christianity in the Western world, as it were. Are Tim, you hungry? <laughs> Tim just pulled out roasted almonds. Like, <laughs> like it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, I got roasted almonds in my bag. I've got tons of them. A five-pound bag. Listen, when you're on this diet, wherever you can get some food, want some of their salted. I mm. couldn't do the salt and vinegar ones because they have lactose in them. So, uh, yeah, I'll have some. They're good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> now all of our listeners are like, "Man, I actually really want almonds right now." And this episode sponsored by Blue Diamond Almonds. <laughs> Blue Diamond oven roasted almonds. Enjoyable every day. <laughs> so right, Christianity ahead. in the Western world. I think there's a lot of areas we could go into. A lot of it is we reflecting upon recent news, recent happenings, our government, Christians, whatever. Um, but I think there's at least five topics that we could hit in this. Whether we talk about all five this week or break it up and and an undisclosed later date talk about the other ones. <laughs> That's to be determined. All right. Uh, first ones, I think on the front of everyone's mind right now yep. is guns and protection. Okay. So I think that's something that we deal with in a Western Christian culture that maybe some other cultures don't really deal with to our extent. Probably none of them. Right. Considering that we have enough guns, per, like one per person in our in America, I think that we're probably one of the few countries who have this problem. Okay. So, 
then follow that. We've all been watching the news. We've seen Box the news. NFL. I'm sorry. I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm so unfiltered. We've watched some games this this football season. Uh, I don't watch games anymore because we yeah, know what's going on at the NFL. So with that in mind, patriotism and protests. Yep. We got to talk about that. Because... But isn't that, isn't that kind of linked into number one? Is under like like the... Um, the um, umbrella of like politics or like um, almost like like uh, country allegiance. I so the reason I split it up is because yes, they use the Second Amendment to say this is my right passed down from Moses and the Ten Commandments. I love that article. <laughs> Babylon B nails it. Um, but I think there are characteristics that go outside of American patriotism. That it's not I'm a patriot, so I need a gun. Okay. Uh, so I think we can split those those Fine. two up because I think patriotism goes into other avenues of my identity is found in the American flag instead of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Fair? Yep. That's two. Uh, wealth and success. Uh, that's a good one. Um, so, you know, how we define success, how we define ourselves All right. is different in this culture. I think a big one is individualism. Yes. Uh, and then the last one I had, kind of a more abstract one, is knowledge and understanding. Uh, so we were discussing previously um, that in our Western society, we kind of pride ourselves of, hey, I don't understand this about the Bible, so let me study the heck out of it till I can answer every single question and we lose ourselves in the pursuit of knowledge instead of pursuit of practical living. So there's that balance there that I think is a little bit out of whack that we could maybe realign. All right. So where do you want to start? I think we should just start with the first one, see where we get. All right. Guns. Let's start with the, pew, with, pew. Let's start with the most important thing. Of course, like every other normal human in America... We are praying for the victims of the Vegas shooting. It was terrible. And what's frustrating to me is that there's no answer. Right. Like, no one knows why this guy did all this stuff, why he planned this, and he planned it. I mean, they found a a lot of guns, Mm -hmm. a lot of ammunition. Apparently, he tried to buy tracer rounds in the past, like, before he... He did this, which, um, for those who don't know, tracer rounds, they emit light whenever you shoot, so you can see where you're actually hitting. It's a, it's a, it's like a ammunition that the military uses for nighttime combat. So he tried to buy those at a gun show. Apparently, the only reason why he couldn't buy them was because the guy was out of stock at the time. So it was that whole situation is still... So mind-boggling, you know. I don't. No one knows why this guy did it. There's no connection to religious extremism. There's no connection to, um, you know, disgruntled employee. There's no connection to politics that we can find, or at least that we know. So it's a very frustrating situation to be a part of because it wasn't like one guy just shot one person, which that would have been terrible. But like it's it's our biggest modern-day massacre in the states, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Of course, whenever this happens, people immediately politicize it. So Hillary Clinton immediately tweeted. Did you see her dumb tweet? Yeah, it was, it was so stupid. dumb about the silencer things. First off, silencers don't make a gun silent like like in the movies, which right. you would you would know if you had any kind of basic gun knowledge. 
and the rate that he was shooting it basically would have right, done nothing right right it wouldn't have worked anyway you know what i mean so so that was a dumb thing to say then of course on the other side you have you have the nra doubling down it's that we need more guns not less guns we need less regulation not more regulation blah 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 but the reality is that these shootings are happening frequently in the u.s like they're happening in worldwide they don't happen as often they just don't. It's just, it's a reality. For whatever reason, it's a reality. And I think what's so frustrating about this particular conversation is that, like many other political political conversations that we have as a culture, people don't seem to want to listen to normal logic. Like, hey, maybe every law won't solve all gun massacres. That's probably a true statement. You know, yes. just like how all drug laws don't stop people from becoming drug addicts, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that those laws have a place in that some kind of, and I hate to use the word common sense because that, that term has been so, um, you know, watered it, down. Right. And, and it can be twisted to yeah, whichever. right. I would just say like things that maybe we should all agree on as a country. Like, hey, if you have a history of mental illness, you probably shouldn't be able to own a gun. Period. Or, hey, you know... If, if you're, you're on the no-fly list, right. you shouldn't be able to buy a firearm. Right. Or, hey, if you're buying a gun, you have to have a background check run on you. Like, just standard. Doesn't matter who you are, we're going to run a background check first. And if anything comes up, we have a right to either you know, uh, deny you the sale or to give you the sale, you know, things like that would be, I think just good places to start. Also, and people might get mad at me for saying this, but I also think the type of gun that you can own should be somewhat limited because here's the thing. Most civilians don't need armor piercing rounds. Why not? Well, what people would say was that, well, if our government only ever goes, becomes a, a, a ty- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tyranny? Tyranny? Tyranny. Yeah, if the government ever goes, you know, all nutso on us. But here's the thing that people don't realize. If the government went nutso on us, we'd all be dead. They have such higher power, firepower than we ever know. Right, they I, have nukes, Rob. Right, should I get a nuclear they have weapon? nuclear <laughs> rounds. They have missiles all over the world and here that they can fire at any point. So I, I don't buy this, you know whatever mentality of, well, if the government ever comes knocking for my gun, I better have that armor-piercing round. Except for zombie apocalypse. Okay. Fair point. You know, I, I retract my statement. Zombie apocalypse. Okay? So, I don't understand why these things are discussions. You know, like, I, I own a firearm. I have a firearm. I want one for self-protection, for sure. If someone breaks into my house, I think you as a, as a, as a human have a right to defend your property, your family, and yourself. You just have that right. If someone comes into your house, it's on them what happens to them. Mm-hmm. That's my view on it, right? You should be able to have a gun, a shotgun. You should be able to own more than one gun. I'm not saying you have to, it has to be super regulated. But there are just some things that to me, I just don't get why why we're fighting, but especially why as Christians we're fighting. You know, like, why is this like our, our you know, our mountain that we're just planting a flag on it, there's just no room for it biblically of why this should be something that we really fight super hard i agree does that get you fired up no you're supposed oh, to disagree sorry. with me i need like a hardcore conservative person here who's a gun toting let's call your father oh my gosh i can't i can't <laughs> i love my dad too much we can't i mean my dad and i Disagree on so many things. And we agree on a lot. But the problem is that he's like two steps more extreme than wherever I am. So if I say, yes, I'm for gun ownership, he wants to have machine guns and grenade launchers. I'm like, you don't need those things, you know? Anyway. So, but, you know, going back to your original point, I don't get why the Christian, the evangelical movement, like, has statements about that, about gun control, you know? I, I don't understand why. I also think, too, that... 
people give way into rhetoric way too often yeah. because people really think – I mean there are people out there who think that Obama wanted to go after their guns, like that Obama wanted to go door by door and have a big gun confiscation <laughs> and then burn all the guns like a freaking you know dictatorship. But that wasn't the, that wasn't the case. That was not the case. And I think that was a great example of somebody looking at horrible tragedies, Sandy Hook, um, these gun shootings, and saying, I, I, anything we can do to stop this would be better. Right. And no, it's immediately, because of our polarization, it's immediately twisted to, right. they're trying to take all of your guns, you better stand your ground. Just like how, on the other end... People think that all gun owners want to have an arsenal of guns in their basement with armor-piercing rounds and can't wait to go killing, like, you know, wherever, which is not the case. There are literally hundreds of millions of gun owners in the U.S., my dad included, who have taught safe, respectable gun control. My dad had his guns locked up, the key, we never knew where it was, and we only took them out to go shooting. You know, right. he, I know he had a gun somewhere that was ready to go if someone, if, if the time called for it, but we never knew where it was. So my dad was a great example of just common sense gun control in his own house. You know, he was left to his own devices and he was able to regulate it himself to be a very responsible gun owner, which is great. You know, but again, on the other end, they just, they, everything's so polarizing. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't get it. I don't get it because we want the same outcome, don't we? I don't think any any good person wants another Vegas massacre. No. Right? I don't care what side you're on, what you what you think about the president. No one wants another shooter to start unloading on thousands of innocent, innocent civilians and, you know, injuring over 500 and killing over what, 50 or 60? No one wants that to happen. And we might have different approaches on how to make that not happen. But the truth is, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. It's probably somewhere in the middle. You know, it, it really is. But we're too polarized to want to hear the other side. Plus, I do think that the NRA has a little too much control over like, the whole gun lobbying thing. I mean, they, they, I think that they're a little shady. I, I don't know why, but they give me the, the feel of like, why wouldn't you want to push for like, universal background checks? Like, why is that a problem? And I guess people go back down to the constitutional right part. And listen, I respect it. It's in the Constitution. You should have the right to bear an arm. But the term arm and what you should have is very subjective. And has changed over the right. past I don't think our forefathers years. pictured machine guns and grenade launchers, you know, like for every human to have, just right. in case someone got them angry or in case someone walked into their door. It doesn't make any sense, right? So there has to be some level of like, what do you need? If the argument is, I need it to defend myself, the question should be, well, what do you need to defend yourself then? What do you need? Well, I don't think you need a machine gun. Probably a 12-gauge, honestly, would do a lot more damage anyway. Right. You know, the guy won't ever wake up from that. So, I just don't get that, you know? So, anyway, I don't know. And if we're so concerned, yeah, like you said, if we're so concerned about if protection is really the thing that we're harping on here, what do we need? Well, think about the guys coming into our house. 99.999% of... Robberies aren't happening with a machine gun in your home. I, I can't think of one that has happened with a machine gun. Right. And all of the videos that you see that, you know, the homeowner brings out whatever it is, a pistol, a BB gun, all of the armor, the robbers run out the door because they're like, oh man, this wasn't what we expected. Right. You, listen, again, I want to make sure we're very clear. As a citizen of the U.S., you have the right to bear.
bare an arm uh, and to own a gun and to defend yourself. You just have that right. right. But to what level and to what extent and to how and where you can where you can carry it, that's all subjective, my friend. You know, you can bear an arm. That doesn't mean you can go in the middle of a mall and start shooting and firing blanks, right? Right. Just doesn't mean you can do that. So as a Christian though, that's where I kinda wanna focus. I don't understand why it's a big battle. I don't understand why it's part of that Christian culture, like God, guns, and guts. Yeah. You know, like the three <laughs> things that like made America. I even think though in that term, the term God is so not accurate for like the guy that, that they're claiming to represent. That's what's so ironic about this. You know, like these are the people who will fight about how it's my God-given right to own a gun. It's like, well, what Bible are you reading? You know, like Jesus was all about actually the opposite, about giving up your rights. So I don't know what God-given right you're referring to. I don't know. There was, I was just reading something about Francis Chan today. And I forget where he was, but he was, you know, giving a speech. And he was talking to Christians who are very active in various ways you know helping out the poor um yeah lots of social programs that they're involved in and like social justice stuff yeah definitely and he said you christians are so proud of yourselves for doing this but yet you're scared to preach about jesus he's like there's an imbalance there your command was to go in the world and preach the gospel. You're not doing that. Yeah, it's great that you're living out the gospel in that way and you feel burdened to help the poor and help children. and Those are noble things. But the command is preach the gospel. If you can't say something about Christ, but you can say something about X programs or this or that, then you have your Christianity a little bit backwards. And I think that that's the same thing here. If we're more apt to defend the second amendment of the constitution than we are the savior who died on the cross for our sins. Wait, wait, wait. I thought he had a machine gun and was (laughs) armed and defeated all his enemies by, you know, shooting them. Yeah. That was the, that was the fourth book of John. American standard revision (laughs) version. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. You get my point though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's, it's people that, are reading or not reading their Bible and just listening to the talking points of quote-unquote Christian heads that tell them what to think, what to say, what to believe, how to live their Christian life. And it comes back to our Western society. This is, like we've discussed many times, Christianity and politics have become so intermixed that to be a Christian you have to be conservative, have guns, vote only Republican, and be fiscally conservative. Those are your options. And so when we're faced with these types of things, instead of holding true to our Christian values, we hold true to our political right values. And that's where right. this Western they, that, culture... That like supersedes yeah. the, what the Bible literally says about certain, so many things, which is, again, just the ironic part is that so many people... And I, listen, I'm... I've been in that boat, and I'm, I'm sure in a lot of ways I still am in that boat. You know, it's yeah. not about how we have this superiority complex. We're just pointing out what, what we're seeing. You know, so many people, oh, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, only the Bible, the literal Word of God. But they only take certain parts literally. They don't take the parts about loving your enemy literally. 
That part, there's an excuse for. Or blessed are the peacemakers, literally. They just say, oh, well, you know, there's got to be some kind of way around that. Or, you know, when your enemy strikes, you turn the other cheek. That's not literal. Only certain things are literal. Right. You know, only things that fit into a certain narrative are literal. And that's what I like so much. What was that podcast I sent you, uh, Exploring My Strange Bible? Oh, yeah, um, with uh, Tim Mackey, I think. Yeah, Tim Mackey. That's why I like, I like that podcast so much because he's so good at bringing it out of that, like, that... Um, Almost like, almost just like certain lens that you read the scriptures through. He's like, right. actually, if we're going to take things literal, here's some things to take literal, and here's why, you know. So I appreciate that, but it is frustrating because we do cherry pick certain verses. <coughs> excuse me, that really weave in. You know, they really put together put together this picture of the Christianity that I don't think is holistic enough. I think it's just not complete because we take something so you know, at face value, and we, they're our gospel, and we tie them back into our political view, but things like feeding the poor, what we say is, well, those are good and noble things, but what's really important is that, you know, you're not having sex outside of marriage. Well, how about both? Like, how about we agree to both of these things? Because I'll tell you what, in James, it says, true religion is taking care of the orphan and the widow. I don't know how much more direct and how much more, you know, literal you want to take that, but it's pretty, pretty direct. Mm -hmm. (coughs) And... I think this is why in the beginning you you brought up the point, well, isn't segment one and segment two kind of related? And yes, obviously they are because our patriotism and our Christianity have become intertwined where you're not a good Christian if you're not patriotic. Right. Well, look at this whole NFL thing, this whole taking a knee thing, you know? And listen, <coughs> excuse me, you know what it is, these almonds... It's the sea salt. They're stuck like in my throat, and I can't get it out. Sucking the moisture right out of your throat. Seriously. Anyway, any American has a right to protest anything peacefully. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You don't want to watch the NFL? Please. You don't want to shop at Target? Don't shop at Go Target. Ahead. You don't want to. You want to leave an NFL game? Feel free. You want to kneel for an anthem? You can. Now, the only time it gets tricky is regarding the employer that you're working for and what they want you to do, right? So at that point, if the employer says you have to stand, that's part of your job description, then you have to stand. And if not, you can leave. You can get fired. You, right. can, go, you can go walk around Employment town. Employment at will. Right. You can go walk around town. You can kneel and protest whatever anthem you want, whenever you want, because you're a free American, right? But if your employer doesn't say anything about you doing that and you do, you have a right to do that. You just do, especially because it's peaceful. And I find it just so interesting that... When Trump or Pence, whatever his name, uh, yeah, President, Vice President Pence left the most recent NFL game because someone kneeled, he was protesting by leaving. People celebrated that, but the guy who was was protesting on the other side, well, he's an evil, terrible, unpatriotic, just low-level scumbag because he knelt during the anthem. Which, by the way, for the record, if you look up the story, a Marine actually told Colin Kaepernick to kneel instead of just sit down for the anthem because kneeling signifies mourning. Because whenever uh, someone passes away in the military, they kneel and they present the flag to the widow. So that's where Colin Kaepernick got that idea was from that uh, was actually from a Marine saying, dude, don't sit. That's even worse. Just kneel. And that way right. you're still honoring 
the 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 military you're still honoring the fallen soldiers but you're still able to you know let people know that hey I'm protesting something that our country stands for right now mm-hmm. so I thought that's a pretty great thing to do especially considering how for so long Black Lives Matter was too violent people were saying just to protest more peacefully so now he is but that's not good enough so it's it's so ironic to me you know like what can anyone protest in a way that you don't like without it being a problem apparently you can't. And apparently if you support that, you're not a Christian. You can't be because only Christians support the military, which, by the way, Colin is doing by kneeling, and only Christians support the flag and the anthem. I think it's dangerous because we really do, you know, pledging allegiance to something is a big deal. And when we pledge allegiance to a flag, we're not pledging allegiance to the kingdom. We're pledging allegiance to a country that we live in temporarily. I don't know how I feel about that. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but for the past almost 10 years, I haven't pledged to the flag because I'm not pledging to a country that is not my permanent home. I'm just not doing it. My allegiance is to the kingdom of God first. It has to be. So it's almost more of like a signal, uh, uh, like a symbolism for me. You know what I mean? But yeah, same thing with, with the NFL protesting. I mean, who cares? I mean, who really cares? I feel like because people make it a bigger deal than it is, now it's this overblown thing. Listen, go protest. Don't watch the NFL. It's whatever you want to do, you have a right to do. But they call these guys scumbags and low lives. Like it's just not. It's not a healthy thing to call people. It's not accurate. Right. Now there, there is the other side where, okay, yes, these these athletes are paid to perform and play a game of football. So, like you said, if your employer was was the state, hey, no, don't do that. This is our we're paying you. The fans are paying you. Um. I see your point there. Is, is there something to be said for the fact that a lot of these ones that are kneeling are doing it almost for their 15 seconds of fame? That's how I've kind of felt, where none of them are doing anything outside of that to help the cause. Like, that's their main... This is a platform I have, so I'm just going to do you know, this. It really could be. I mean, here's the thing, man. Like, you know... Listen, there are many, many, the majority of police officers are good people. I know yeah. many. They're good people, all right? It's it's not a general slight on police officers. But when you see these videos of unarmed black men being shot, it makes you wonder what's really going on. In fact, I just saw a video on Facebook. It's a side-by-side comparison in the same video. One is an unarmed black man who was fleeing. He got shot in the back as he was running, unarmed. The other video was a white guy who was chasing down a cop who had a gun pointed at him, and the cop never shot the whole time. In fact, he chased the cop down the road. Like it's crazy to watch. The cop had his gun pointed at the suspect. Suspect chased the cop down the street. So when you see things like that, it does make you wonder. Like, is there a problem? You know. Right. And then you couple that with, and I, I said this before. If my brothers and sisters in the church, who are African American, are saying we're experiencing this daily. It's my job as a Christ follower to listen to them, to hear their mm-hmm. concerns, and to, and, to, and to partner with them, and to mourn with those who mourn, you know, and seek justice with those who need to seek justice. Like, I just think that people really like extremes and they, they like to lump things in, you know, and generalize. I don't think any, well, I don't want to say that, but I don't think many Black Lives Matter people or people who, who, who really think that we have a, um, you know, um, um, a problem when it comes to the police in the black community. I don't think many think that every single police officer is a bad person. But when I have my old roommate who was in his 50s, who I used to live with, tell me that he's been profiled many, many times. And I know he's a normal 
guy who's not has no uh, agenda isn't, isn't hell bent on you know trying to slant things when he tells me that i listen like right. wait you like i can't believe it oh yeah i've been pulled over many times just for nothing i'm like wow that's weird i've never been pulled over just for nothing ever i've never been pulled over just for nothing or because my my i or because i didn't use a blinker you know what i mean so when friends of mine start saying i've experienced this before how can you not want to take listen or i uh, take note and start listening i remember the the first time that i really thought about it i i grew up in a town that wasn't a predominantly white town right um, so a lot of my friends were of minority groups and i grew up with the mentality of not really thinking anything different when we moved out of there and i started to see you know okay maybe there is a problem and i remember the first time that i it really like dawned on me we were we were driving to a meeting for our church and or leaving i, I don't remember the situation but the the one um, guy, he's from Haiti, and he is the gentlest, calmest man you'll ever meet in your entire life. He was pulled over by the police, and we kind of pulled up because we were following him, so we kind of pulled behind the police, and like they got angry and like told us to keep going. And I was like, okay, sorry. And come to find out later, he was pulled over because they saw him throw a beer bottle out of his car. This guy has never even had one drink in his entire life. There was definitely no beer bottle flying out of his car. I don't know, man. <laughs> and so, of course, they couldn't find the beer bottle that he supposedly had thrown. So he got a, he got a ticket for having a air freshener hang from his yeah, rear like, mirror. Yeah, what do they call it? There's Obstruction of view. Yeah, yeah. And it was obvious that they pulled him over. He was being profiled. They were trying to find something, so they just threw something at him that they couldn't refute. And it was, to me, that was like an awakening. Like, okay, I would have never been pulled over in this area for that. Right, right. And would have never been given that ticket. So, right. yeah, there is There's something. definitely right. something to this. Right, and then, you know, you see that a lot of these officers who end up killing these, these people get off at no charge. I mean, so... I understand the anger. Right. I get it. You know, and I if I get it. And it's a shame that, like, overall, why isn't the public church, we'll use that term, more sympathetic to what's happening? Instead, it's just, it's seen through that political lens. Oh, it's race baiting. Oh, it's, you know, there is no mass racism. That's crazy. It's like, guys, do you think that all these people are lying? They're just lying? Just to, for what? For what? Why would they be lying? You know? Right. Just because your reality hasn't experienced any of that doesn't mean that it's not a reality for other people, mm -hmm. right? But when we don't listen, when we don't want to pay attention to our brothers and sisters, to our family who's hurting, it, it comes across as just so mean-spirited almost. You know, like, why would you choose political affiliation over, like, someone telling you, I've actually experienced this? Well, no, Rush Limbaugh tells me that's crazy. You know, and everyone <laughs> has the same starting line. No, they don't. It's just, it's a reality. The guy in Camden does not have the same starting line as the guy in Cherry Hill. Right. Just doesn't. It's a reality. I don't get that. I mean, it, it's how it works. You know, it's not It's not a, a, a right system. So, yeah, man, I mean, I, I don't almost know, don't know like what to say anymore with this kind of stuff because I just see the church. It's it's really breaking off into two different camps. And I think I, sh I shared with you an article about this, how there's the one side of like very heavy on the individual salvation and personal relationship with Jesus and like devotions, what we would call the normal evangelical movement, I guess, somewhat anyway. 
um, conservative overall thinking, you know, wants to fight gay marriage and abortion and, you know, wants to fight gun control. Then you have this other side of Christianity that's much more social justice driven, a little more um, collective in like how they view even salvation, like more of like a group than is just the individual. Um, and I guess a little more liberal, if you will, for right. lack of a better term on certain things, but still has a very heavy Jesus driven undertone of just taking some of the words of Jesus very seriously that maybe other evangelicals don't take seriously, like feeding the poor and, and, uh, you know, loving your enemy and all those kinds of things. And it's really starting to branch into two different sects almost where you have this one view of Christianity and this other view of Christianity and the article I'm quoting, the best part about it is that it says both sides can learn something from the other side. And it's really true. Yeah. It really is. But if we don't start that process soon, if the church doesn't become the bigger person to listen and to be humble and to be able to say we're sorry and to repent, I mean, things that we would ask any unbeliever to do uh, in order to become a Christian, you know, to be humble and to repent and to turn away. If we're not wanting to do any of that, why would the world want to listen to us? Right. Right. If we preach a message of love, hope, forgiveness, grace, humility, but yet we're proud, boastful, arrogant, loud, rude to the, our culture over things that really in the long term of eternity are not significant, why would they want to listen to us then? And why are we okay with that? Why are we okay with like on one side of our mouth, you know, on Sunday mornings, praying with the person on the altar, you know, and crying with them, but then on Facebook or, you know, in the political world, just being a real, well, jerk. <laughs> I would, I'm sorry. My Family podcast. My unfiltered, you know, <laughs> self almost said a, a, an inappropriate word, but you know what I'm saying though? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why we do that. Right. And when you look at like the the churches that are written to in the book of Revelation, they all had issues except for the church of Philadelphia. But, um... Philadelphia? Yeah. The church of Philadelphia. Is that a joke? No. That That's a church in Revelation? You need to read Revelation, my friend. I'm too tired. <laughs> Philadelphia, like brotherly love? Correct. Huh, I never knew that. You're so smart. Yeah, I... I, uh, I achieve... <laughs> knowledge and put aside practical application. But, um, you know, even the Lord said, you know, these are your issues. Repent, change, and I won't take away the lampstand. I think that's could be, obviously there's a lot of applications that I can go to, but for me, it, it seems like there's a an overall application of as a church universal church how about we step up look at ourselves and say okay yeah we could do some things different here and our local bodies could look at themselves and say as a local body of believers yeah we are kind of failing in this way not even not even like intently failing just by kind of brushing it aside not addressing the topics never speaking about it. Those are things that are pushing along this whole agenda, I think. Totally. Um, so we could do a better job in that way of, hey, let's at least talk about this, these things. These are things that the people in our local churches are affected with every single day. And many of them are coming to their local church and feel like they can't even discuss something that they're facing on a day-to-day -day basis. I forget how... Uh, Oh, it was an article I read recently on why church elders 
um, are losing the engagement of their members. And one of them was this, that they don't feel relatable. They don't feel like the problems that they face on a day-to-day basis are being addressed in the church on a week-to-week basis. And so they feel like, well, why do I even want to come here? These people don't know my needs. These people don't understand. And spin it however you want, but that's on church leadership to see those those areas that are lacking and to re-engage the, the laity or totally. the church members. Totally. You want to Listen, it. as long as politics shape our church culture instead of the other way around, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And that's what's happening is that politics shape our theology of the Bible. We agree naturally with a certain viewpoint. Then we try and find that viewpoint and support it in Scripture instead of letting Scripture mold and shape how we view politics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And as long as that's backwards like that, we're going to be in the same circle. We're also going to see this mentality that makes no sense sometimes. Like, wait, what? How can you be for that when, biblically speaking, Jesus would never be for that? Well, they're different areas of life, but they're not. And also, that's coming from a person who takes everything very literally, according to them, of the Bible. So... It's ironic because that's the same person who believes that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Oh, I believe that really happened. But then when it comes to feeding the poor, well, that's just, you know, that's nice. But what matters is that we tell them about, about Jesus. Well, yes, that's true. But the problem is that we have an over, not over church, but like an over, um, like over preached culture. The culture knows about this guy named Jesus. They've heard about him all the time because we've preached like crazy to them. But have we shown them what he right. actually looks like? And have we put the two together? Mm-hmm. We haven't. And that's why I'm, I think there's this other movement coming up of like of works. Not works for salvation, but but works as fruit of your faith. Be, what we would call, I guess, social justice. Because there's, I think what they're saying is, listen, we get the word part. We get that. I grew up hearing the word part. But here's the action behind it, and here's why it matters. And that, that shows that the gospel does make a difference. Right. Because right. from an outside, they're saying, yeah, okay, you're telling me about this guy named Jesus, but he obviously didn't affect your life too much because right. you treat me the same. Right. Where these people are saying, no, we follow Jesus with all of our hearts, and that causes us to look at you this way and to want to care for and you. to and, meet your physical needs and yeah. to want, you know, listen, the physical needs is very important, especially, you know, it comes down to your view of heaven, honestly. If you believe that we're going to heaven as opposed to heaven being here, then that will change how you view physical needs because heaven, I think, will be a very physical place, very real, very tangible, not this cloud floating on, you know, Charmin toilet paper kind of thing. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Like, yeah. I think that really the new heaven and earth is this earth, that God's going to remake this earth the way that he designed it to be. That's my personal view. Yeah. No, just saying. <laughs> yeah, we can discuss this later. We'll, we'll discuss that. My point, though, is that I don't think that heaven is somewhere else. I think that heaven eventually becomes where we're at now. That's my thought. Very similar to what Tim talks about in that podcast, which I sent to you. Yeah, I, but I don't. I didn't get that he thought he was going to remake this world. He said it very clearly in the podcast that no, heaven no, no, is I, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I, I Kind of. We'll, we'll have to discuss this Well, later. one thing he talks about, too, is that how the Bible is also concerned about how heaven and hell are also present realities. Right. Which is a very Rob Bell thing to say. I felt very vindicated on that, for the record. <laughs> but I agree, though. Like, hell is can be very real here. Like, you can experience parts of heaven and hell in this earth. Because mm-hmm. even though it's fallen, it's still a God-made earth, right? So, 
that all ties into how you view this stuff. Because if you just view that, well, it's all going to burn anyway, and one day only the good guys are going to be in the clouds with Jesus, that's a much different view than, well, actually this earth matters, and it's good to take care of it because it's still God's creation, right. and that eventually, you know, heaven's going to become a reality, but we can experience parts of that here and now as supernatural and weird as that might sound. And same thing with hell, which is why I think the physical needs come into play. Like, there are people who experience versions of hell here and now who are lost loved one or or have a disease that is not curable or god forbid people in some countries who have watched their family get killed in front of them i mean that you want hell that sounds pretty hellish right. you know so how do we meet those needs now because they're here and they matter that's i think that's such an important question to ask as a church and it also helps cement and prove that what we believe really affects how we live because we believe it to be true because God has been impacting our life. What good is us talking about the love of God if all we do is hate our neighbor? Mm-hmm. It ain't any good. I God loves us so much, but he hates the gay guy, and he hates the Democrat, and he hates Obama for sure. Definitely. And if you have this view, God definitely doesn't love you. But once you turn away from that and think like I do, think like me, then it's all good. I mean, think about how, like, terrible that sounds you know what i mean like do we trust that god's working through people and that sounds like our political culture right right if you're a liberal and i'm a conservative well i hate your viewpoint no matter what it is right and there's again that political nature has come in and defined christianity absolutely and that i think right there is the problem boom right right there Hmm. and i think to that point so everyone's always fighting about this separation of church and state. You can't, whatever. I think the forefathers who wrote the Constitution had in mind, this isn't a protection for the state. This is actually a protection for the church. Right. And we flipped it. Yeah. And because um, they looked at the society that they came from. Right. And saw a government that controlled the church. Right. That then controlled the people. Right. And there was no differentiation there. Exactly. They didn't want that to happen. So they said, no, we want those two things to be separate because we want Christ to identify you and then for you to be good citizens because of that. Right. Not for the politics to identify you and you be forced into submission of whatever the government said through your religion. Let me ask you a question. What is the number one thing that drives you the craziest about politics? Hmm. I honestly think it's the polarization. Okay. Well, it, it felt like a loaded question. No, I was just curious because I was thinking through it. I was like, what drives me the most nuts about politics? For me, it's the fact that either side will be hypocritical when convenient. Right. That's what I hate the most. Like, yeah. like that's what I absolutely hate the most is when Trump goes on all his golfing trips all the time, not a peep from conservatives. Obama goes on vacations all the time. Oh, Obama's the laziest president ever. Bush went on, on a couple of vacations down to the cabins. Democrats, oh, where is he? We're in war, blah, 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 blah. You know, I hate, I hate when people take certain things and only apply it to one side. That's, I think, what drives me the most crazy. I can see that, which ties into polarization, but definitely, it's it's a more direct facet of it. It, just, it drives me bonkers because it just shows that you don't care about the truth. You care about your allegiance, which total side tangent here. But did you see the Republican governor that was caught in with his mistress? The abortion thing? Re- Ridiculous. Again. 
hypocritical when it suits them. Hey, I'm going to tell everyone else that they're not allowed to have an abortion, but when I get my mistress pregnant, so I don't want my family and kids to find out, so yep. you better believe I'm texting her to go get an abortion. Yep. I know. it's Here it is. And we're conservatives. Quiet. But what's the guy's name? Weinstein or something? This Democratic donor. So there's this Democratic yeah. like producer. Uh, there's this, I guess he's a Hollywood guy, pretty well known apparently, has the Weinstein Company. A uh, big donor to all Democrats. He is in a lot of hot water because he was pretty much sexually assaulting women for the past like 30 years. And you better believe conservatives are all over that. But in worse Clinton and Obama, silence so far. And why? He's a big donor to right. them. So there it is. Like it's not about the truth, is it? It's about who gave you the most money and how you're gonna shut right. up. So it's on both sides. Like it, yeah, it just is. It's definitely. a reality. You know what I mean? I it just it drives me up a wall. And it, it, I guess it gets me upset when Christians believe it. Like, yeah, our side's right. It's like do you understand how hypocritical both sides are? Are you looking for truth or just to support what you think is your side? Right. And neither side is the side of Christianity. Right. Like they're, they're really not. They both have things that don't line totally. up with Christianity. Totally. So it's like, how about we leave politics aside and separate church and state like we're supposed to do? Right. Why don't you read your Bible, read the words of Jesus, start there, take them literally, see how it changes your life. Right. Like, take every word of Jesus literally for one week and see what happens. <laughs> no, we can't do that. We'd have to. That. We'd have to leave our comfort zone. I don't know if I can do that, man. That, that's intense. What's the What's the song? Um, Spirit, lead me where my faith is without uh, borders. Oceans, oceans. Yeah. If you actually read those lyrics, it's like I, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'll sing it, that's but I ain't, I ain't doing it. That's a lot of prayers we pray. God, whatever you want. Are you sure? <laughs> God, your will, not my will. I don't know. I I've always said that. Be careful what you pray for. Yeah. Yeah. You just might get it. <laughs> yeah. God, break me. Do you want me to be? All right. God, why is this happening? <laughs> you I asked have, for it. I have no money. Hmm, I wonder why. Well, I feel better. Good. I feel more awake. Do you? Should we keep going? No. I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think for our listeners, it's enough for one night. No, I think that was a good... Do you think those- we sound like broken records, though? Like, I feel like... Are we just saying the same thing? Like, talk radio does that really well. Like, I'll, I'll turn talk radio on... I'll get out of the car for 15 minutes, come back in. They're talking about the same exact thing. But I still listen to it. So I guess it's not that bad. Yeah. We like to, we're creatures of habit. It is what it is. You know, like, I mean, here, here we are, right? It is what it is. We're culturally relevant, maybe. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> listen, everyone, thank you for listening to this, this crazy off-the-wall episode. We <laughs> love doing this. We appreciate you guys listening. If you have any feedback, you agree or disagree, <coughs> Russell, <coughs> feel free to uh, you know post your dumb, I mean, uh, well thought out opinion, Russell. I'm calling you out here uh, on Facebook. Um, well, we may or may not respond. Here's the thing about Russell. I'm going to call it out. Ooh. Russell, when I talk to him in person, is all like, oh, we can get along. We'll agree. But on Facebook, he's like, this is ridiculous. Blah, 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 blah. Like, bro, if we're going to disagree. Let's disagree like men. And on the podcast. Yeah. Come on on. I will gladly argue with you. I'll gladly yell. We can fight. We can throw things that we can make up later. Um, but I'm over it. Like, if you're going to be, you know, <laughs> if you're going to fight, let's fight in person. All right? Like the men used to Old do it back in the day. Old fisticuffs. No gloves. <laughs> All right? Just some bare bone knuckle on knuckle action. That's right. So, anyway, <laughs> you can tell we're starting to lose it yeah. here. It's 1140 at night. What time do you get up in the morning? 
five, six. How do you do that? I don't know. I don't function. That's I mean, so I weird. function without sleep. Not me. I'm dreaming of getting in my bed right now. So, on that note, everyone, enjoy the rest of your day, night, whatever you're doing. Um, anything else, Rob? No, we uh, look forward to maybe sometime <laughs> yeah. getting to these other three points. Yeah, maybe part two. We'll see what happens with Trump. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what, what crazy tweets everything. come out. Yeah. Have a good night, guys. Size of my head